Acts chapter 19, 11 through 20. And actually, I'm going to start with verse 8, uh, but he won't have that up here because I didn't tell him that, uh, unless he's just like really quick. Um, and so there's been a lot going on, uh, you know, from all of the stuff of the uh, polling things happening to getting stuff ready for decorating and all of that kind of stuff. Um, there's just been a whole lot. Uh, and I haven't communicated with my son as well as I needed to. He got it? So, um, so Acts chapter 19, 8 through 20 is what I'm going to read. Um, and, and the reason I'm going to do that is because um, even though the message really starts with like 11, uh, well, with 10, uh, those other verses right before that give us a therefore. You know what I'm saying? Gives us that introduction as to why verse 10 says what it does. And I don't want you to be left hanging, especially at the beginning of the sermon. That's a terrible thing to do. And so we're going to read verses 8 through 20. Uh, and um, uh, it's a fun one. It's, uh, I mean, if you, if you haven't read this in a long time, it's about time you read it again. And so Acts chapter 19 verses 8 through 20, and if you have your Bible and you're able, will you stand uh, with us as we read? And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And this evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of awe. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the way that you worked, that you worked through Paul, the way that you worked even just through uh, his handkerchief and his aprons. God, we thank you that you worked through the preaching and the teaching of your word. God, we thank you for the way that you worked in the miracles and in the casting and the not casting out of the demons there. Father, we pray that as we continue to serve you, God, we will serve you in the way that you call us to, that we will be faithful. Father, that we will, um, that we will truly worship you and follow your son and that it will be our goal in our life to lead others also to follow your son. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So thank you for your patience. Um, they were in the synagogue. 
the Apostle Paul was, speaking boldly for three months, reasoning, persuading. And then some of the Jewish people in the synagogue, the men, became hardened and they refused to believe. And they, and you know what, that's interesting because, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but it's interesting that some of them refused to believe. And, and you kind of get with that and you understand, you know, it's like we've been raised in this Jewish way all of our life. This is what we've been taught all of our life. This is what we believe. And, and you take me out of this, you take me out of my whole life and my whole lifestyle. But then they began to speak against it. And Paul could put up with them not believing. But what he couldn't put up with was them speaking out against it. Because he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that what he was saying was truth. Was it, that it was the word of God. He was talking about Jesus Christ whom he knew, whom he met on that road to Damascus. He had no doubt about what Jesus had done, saved him by his mercy and by his grace, that Jesus had died on the cross, rose from the grave, that he ascended into heaven and now reigns eternally and will one day come for his church. Paul knew all of that without any doubt. And he also knew that when these people began to fight against that, it was time for him to take these new believers and to take them somewhere else so that they wouldn't have to put up with that and so that he could teach them um, unobstructed, the ways of God and the ways of Jesus Christ. So he took them out of there, went into the school or, um, of Tyrannus, and began to teach there. And his Bible tells us that he taught there for two years. Two years. I think he just didn't want to write another resume. You know? Uh, I just didn't, I mean, you know, moving is hard, right? So let's just stick around for a long time. And this continued for two years. Now listen, I, I'm kidding, Okay. He stayed where God called him for the length of time that God called him to stay there, okay? Um, and, and honestly, that's what we all need to do. Stay where God calls us for the length of time God calls us there, you know? Um, and so he stayed for two years, and it says, So that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. The word of the Lord was being preached. The things concerning the kingdom of God were uh, being talked about. He was teaching them. You know, we can look in this and think, uh, what is the word of the Lord? What was he talking about? I mean, you can go to John chapter 3 like I did last week. You can talk about the fact that, uh, that in John chapter 3 said, um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son or his one and only son, however you want to do that, that whoever believes in him, the son, Jesus Christ, should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Uh, you can go through all throughout the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, you can find things that talk about the kingdom of God. You can, um, uh, and, and about the word of the Lord being preached. We don't know exactly all the words that Paul taught. What we do know, what we do believe, is that he started and he taught from the Old Testament to show them that this Jesus that he was preaching really was the Messiah, really is the Messiah, the Son of God, okay? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so he was teaching them, and he did it for two years. Now, there were some 12. I think that's an interesting number, those 12 men that, um, uh, that had been um, baptized into John. But then when Jesus came to them, he taught them about Jesus, and they believed in Jesus, and he baptized them, and they were filled with the Spirit of God. And, um, and, and what some believe is that these guys carried the word of God, the word of Jesus Christ, throughout Asia. They believed that they um, preached the word of the Lord. They preached not their own ideas, but they preached what Paul had taught them, which is the word of God. They were committed. They were sold out to him. Um, they went all throughout Asia preaching this. And some believe that the... Um, 
that the other churches that are mentioned in Revelation, you know, the seven churches of Revelation, right? That those other churches that are not Ephesus, but the, uh, that one too, that, that those other six were founded during this time. And mostly by these young, young men that went out preaching the gospel. Um, and so they went out and they preached. Uh, the word of the Lord Jesus was heard uh, throughout all of Asia by both Jews and Greeks. They preached. It wasn't their own ideas, wasn't their own philosophies, wasn't some, uh, some made-up message, some thought-out message. It was the Word of God. Now, you can think about, again, all of the things that the Apostle Paul possibly preached. I think, again, about um, the two Emmaus disciples. Again, wouldn't that be fantastic to hear everything that Jesus taught them on the road beginning at Moses, okay, uh, that, that concerned him? And so we don't know everything he taught, but we do know that he um, taught and preached the word of God and that because he was faithful to stay there for two years to train these young men, these disciples, they were faithful to go out all over Asia and, and probably mostly modern day Turkey um, and preach the word of God. And then, then God worked unusual miracles by the hands of God. Well, I don't know about you, but I kind of kind of think a lot of miracles are unusual. But these miracles are even more so um, because somehow, uh, and, and we don't know how all of them started, but this one's pretty crazy, okay? So we see this picture of, um, oh, by the way, let me back up a little bit. Ephesus apparently was a hotbed of the occult, okay? And you, you get that from it says they burned all their magic books and it amounted to 50,000 pieces of silver, okay? Um, and, so, and that's a huge number. All right. So it was a hotbed of the occult, all forms of spiritism and magic and superstition and, the, and even the black arts. And the people there were apparently very emotional, sens sensual and very easily given to feelings. Uh, you know, it just kind of reminds me of, of a lot of people today. Right. Makes me think of that song that I won't sing. Feelings, nothing more than, you know, the song. Uh, but that's that's I mean, that's how some people think now. Do you know that not know the song? Not from that example. Okay, I get it. I understand. <laughs> I love you guys. You're so much fun. You get it. Okay, but you understand. But that's how some people think, right? With their feelings. Okay? It's not very logical, right? It's just not. To think with your feelings, but that's they were they were very emotional and they pretty much thought with their feelings. And in order for something to happen in their life, God did something completely amazing and unseen and unheard of. And he took this this sweaty handkerchief, which might have been like a headband that Paul had been using and wearing um, as he was working in his tent making shop. And he set that thing down after he got done and was ready to go have his evening meal maybe, and then, and then teach some more uh, and preach some more. And they found that thing, and they took it, and they took it to somebody that was sick, and they laid it on that person, and they were healed of that sickness, or that demon was cast out because of that. Now, can you imagine that happening? I mean, wouldn't that be something? I mean, I've got a jacket here, and, and I mean, I know it's not going to happen with me. You know, take the jacket off and somebody's sick, I put it over. It's going to keep them warm, but it's not going to heal them, right? Okay? What an amazing thing for God to do. And I don't, uh, man, wouldn't that be something? 
to take a, a handkerchief, wipe your head with it, and hand it to people. And everybody that has a cough or a sneeze or a serious illness of any kind, you hand it to them, they touch it, and they're healed. Man, how much money could you make doing that? That's a joke, too. I mean, that's ridiculous. And some people, that's what they wanted. And these other people that came along that were these traveling, um, it calls them itinerant Jewish exorcists. There's another word that's used for them in, in one place. And I think in the, in the uh, King James, not I have the new King James, I think in the King James it calls them <coughs> vagabonds. Okay? I, I mean, and, and, um, and that's kind of what they were. They were just traveling vagabonds. And they looked for any way they could to make some money. The Apostle Paul, that wasn't what he was about. Okay? I mean, they may took that cloth, and I don't know how many people were healed from that. But the Bible tells us that's what happened. They brought his handkerchiefs or his aprons that were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Wow. Now, we see an example of that with Jesus, the woman that just touched the hem of his, of his garment, of his robe. But that was Jesus. That wasn't Paul. That wasn't a sweaty handkerchief or apron, dirty apron. You see, when we look at all of this whole idea here, some people go, well, man, that sure, Paul sure is powerful. No, Paul wasn't powerful. I mean, Paul was a great theologian, and Paul was, was a genius, but it wasn't the power of, God, of, of Paul or the power of these uh, handkerchiefs that healed these people. We know that. We have no doubt about that. It was the power of God working there in that place that brought them that kind of healing. See, those things have no virtue in and of themselves. Only God has virtue within himself. So the healing was done by God. It wasn't done by Paul. It wasn't done by a piece of cloth. It was done by God. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Pretty amazing. God is all-powerful. With God, nothing is impossible. And that verse, I'm using it kind of a little bit out of context, but I'm using it to show you a point. That verse there, with God, nothing is impossible. Uh, the apostles were asking him, well, uh, if it's so difficult for a rich man to get saved, then, then how can anybody get saved? And, 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 and Jesus said, listen, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And if it's possible to save somebody from their sin that pulls them completely away from God, then don't you think God can simply and pretty easily use a sweaty headband to heal somebody of their illness or bring out a demon, demon out of their life? I, I, I don't have any doubt about that. How about you? So, so then, then we get to this. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought and e evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Wow. First of all, they're vagabonds. They're wanderers. Okay? They don't settle down anywhere, and there might be a reason because somebody's going to catch up with them. Okay? And, and we don't, I don't know that for sure, but, you know, if they're wandering, they're wandering for a reason. might be that they just don't want to settle down. It might be because every place they settle, people find them to be false prophets and cheaters and liars. So they got to move on pretty quickly, right? So they don't get in trouble, thrown in jail, put in the stocks and the chains. So they keep moving on. And they come here to Ephesus, and they hear what's happening with the preaching and the teaching of the Apostle Paul. That people are getting saved, that their lives are being completely changed, and that with these handkerchiefs, with these aprons, 
they're taking them to people and they're getting healed and the demons are being cast out because they're touching these because God is working through that. And they go, wow, we can get on this. We can make some money here. And so what would happen a lot of times is these kind of exorcists would go into a town and they would see the names of the gods and they would go, okay, by the name of that God, that's the person, the God you worship or one of the gods you worship. So we'll do our magic in his name or her name. And so since they had heard that Paul was preaching in the name of Jesus Christ, that's the name they decided to use because they could see the power, okay, that, that God uh, showed and used when he healed those people. Well, that's the name they decided to use. And here's what they did. They said, we exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Remember, these guys were Jews. They weren't followers of Jesus. I mean, they may have heard about Jesus, but they didn't, they didn't believe in him the way Paul believes in him and the way we believe in him, that he's the son of God. They might have believed that he was a, a, an amazing Jewish teacher and preacher and healer, but they didn't believe he was the son of God. But they wanted to get in on this same abracadabra magic kind of thing. And they were using the name of Jesus as a magic, um, magic words to try to get the money from those people as they did their magic and their exorcism. We exorcise you by this Jesus whom Paul preaches. We haven't been preaching him. We don't have any knowledge of him. We don't have any, uh, any real uh, friendship with him, but we're going to use his name. Now, how do you think uh, that pleases God? It didn't make this demon very happy either. The demon looks at them and he says, oh, there were seven sons of Sceva, also a Jewish chief priest. They did the same thing. And they were doing the same thing. Again, remember, these are all Jews. Okay? They weren't followers of Christ. They were Jews. And the evil spirit answered, I love this. I absolutely love this. Jesus, I know. Now, let's stop right there for just a second. How did this evil spirit know Jesus? And Jesus made him. Jesus created him. Not as an evil spirit, but as an angel of God. Jesus created him. You remember, was it, where is that? Is that in James 2, 19? You believe there is one God, you do well. The demons believe, and they tremble. They're literally scared to death. And this demon knew Jesus, because Jesus created him. And until the fall of Satan and this demon followed him, he and Jesus were friends. They were on a good relation in heaven. They knew each other. He probably even at that point, until the fall of Satan, worshipped Jesus along with all the other angels. Jesus I know. And Paul I know. But who are you? I mean, these guys are doing some serious name dropping. Okay? And this demon goes, I know these two, but I don't know you. Who are you? And then, and then, guess what he does? He attacks them. All of them. The seven sons of Sceva and the, um, the Jewish exorcists. We don't know how many there are. I'm going to say five because that makes it 12. And that's a pretty good number. All right? I have no proof of that. All right, I'm just throwing that there. We don't know how many there are. Might have been two, might have been a dozen, you know. But we know there were at least eight, because there were at least one Jewish exorcist and seven sons of Sceva. And this one man attacked them and chased them out of the house, and they fled out of the house naked and wounded. 
And can you imagine being those seven, eight, nine, ten, however many there are? And it says this. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Hey, guess what Curtis just did? Okay, I'm going to use my name because I don't want to use any of yours. This is what Curtis just did. He got chased out of a house naked and screaming by those demons. Guess what nobody's doing anymore? Not paying me any money to do an exorcism. I'm embarrassed. My name is Mud. They are now nobody. Okay? And not only that, guess what? The name of Jesus, okay, their name is Mud, and the name of Jesus is being exalted, glorified. Okay? They tried to misuse the name of Jesus. All right, now I, I just think that's interesting because, um, you know, they're in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And there are times when, you know, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, but, but there is a text that says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. All right? And that word that they were using, they were talking about the word Lord your God was Yahweh. The name of the one true God, Father God, Yahweh. Okay, and so they didn't even say that word. The Jews didn't. They didn't even say his name, his personal name. Because they don't want to say it wrong. They don't want to misuse it. But one of the ways that people misuse the name of God and the name of Jesus is by the way these guys were doing it. Okay? As, as, as a good luck charm or a magic potion or a, uh, a magic words. And, and I, just, I just think that some of these fake faith healers do the same thing. Okay, and so God didn't have to do anything about that. The demon did. God just let him go. And because of what happened, it tells us that everybody knew about all of this and fear fell on them all. Fear and reverence fell on them all. Everybody dwelling in Ephesus heard about this. These, these, these fake uh, healers, these fake um, Exorcists, they were chased out of town. Everybody else knew what God had done. Everybody else knew that it was by the power of God, not by the power of these exorcists, not by the power of Paul, not by the power of the, um, the handkerchiefs or the aprons, but by the power of God that these people had been healed. And, and guess what? When these Greeks or when these Jewish exorcists were chased out, everybody heard about it. Their gig was up. They were finished. It was done. And fear fell on everybody dwelling in Ephesus. And the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was magnified. I love that, that word, okay, magnified. Anybody, um, you, you know, anybody magnify anything ever? Use a magnifying glass, you know? Why do you do that? So you can see it better. To make it bigger, right? So you can see it better. I have... Um, uh, I have bifocals. They don't work. They don't do any good whatsoever, okay? Because see my Bible right here? I'm reading mostly underneath my lenses. If I want to see it right, I've got to put it right out here to see it in my bifocals. My, my computer screen, I can't read it at all with my glasses on. Not with my bifocals or my regular ones. Out here, I can't see it. I take my glasses off to read that thing, Okay? We use magnifying glasses to magnify things. That's basically what your bifocals are. They're magnifying glasses. They make things bigger. Mine don't help. But this sure helped magnify the name of Jesus. Made the name of Jesus bigger. Exalted. Extolled, if you will. Um, 
it lauded his name, celebrated his name. This gave him the glory and honor that he was due. Because they could see that these guys were false prophets and that they were being, um, being outed as false prophets. Now, I've heard a lot of people recently uh, say about some people, there's a false prophet, there's a false prophet, he's a false prophet. And, and you know what? We've got to be careful about that. This was obvious. These guys were false prophets. They, they were, were trying to heal and cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They didn't know who Jesus was. They might have had some background, but did they know him? No, not a bit. But we've got to be careful about who we call a false prophet. You remember what happened with um, David and Saul? David had opportunity, ample opportunity to kill Saul. David knew he was going to become king. He was anointed already. He had an opportunity to kill Saul, and he said, No, far be it from me to harm the Lord's anointed, even though he was going to become king. So we need to be careful about calling people false prophets. But these were. And it became well known to everybody in Ephesus that they were false prophets. It also became known to everybody that Jesus Christ was Lord. The name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And listen what happened because his name was magnified. Many of those who, many who had believed. So this is in the past tense. So there has to be a time when those many are believing. So there are many who, be, who came to be Christians because of this. They understood that the that Jesus, whom Paul preached, was, is the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? So they believed. They committed their life to Christ. They confessed their sins and they told their deeds. Now, it's interesting because you look at that and you see two things in there, okay? And what I see when I read that is they believed. This was here and it was here. It also says they confessed. And then they brought their books. That involves repentance, that involves turning from your sinful way, from our sinful way, from my sinful way. That involves turning from following my way of life to following God's way of life. And by the way, if my way of life is not God's way of life, then it's Satan's way of life. So we really have to be careful about that, okay? And so they turned from that, and, and, you, and, and, and they took all of their books, and they brought them together, and they, their magic books, and they burned them in the sight of all. And somebody would have said, well, this should have been sold and the money be given to the poor. Uh, there's, I mean, you, you think about that. There are some good things that can be sold and the money be given to the poor. But if you have just escaped the clutches of Satan through demonic activity, do you want somebody else to be brought into that by selling those things? Absolutely not. They knew that, they understood that, they took those things, they burned them in the presence of everybody, and the amount of money was like 50,000 pieces of silver. One piece of silver was a day's wage, so 50,000 days wage, okay? You know how many that is? Somewhere around 137 years. That, you know, that money could have helped a lot of people. But which is going to help them more? Selling that and giving it to the poor and leading somebody else into the temptation of, of following Satan and, and, and using the occult practices? Absolutely not. Burn it. That will do more good, all told, than that 137 years of wages would do in that 137 years. 
They burned him and counted up the value, 50,000 pieces of silver. And so what happened? See, you got to see this, okay? There's a result of all of this, okay? The word of the Lord was magnified. People began to get saved. They got saved out of occult practices, out of witchcraft, demonism, all those kind of things. They came to Jesus, and they took their books. They burned them, and there was a huge difference in their life. And verse 20 says, here's the result. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. See, I'm telling you that, that when... When we get saved, when our lifestyle changes because of the change that Jesus Christ makes in our life and people notice that, the word of the Lord will grow mightily and will prevail. Now, sometimes they don't notice those differences. You know, you think about Paul and you think about the difference that God made in his life. That's a huge difference. Went from being a killer of Christians to a proclaimer of Christ. That's a huge difference. That's black and white. Okay? That's totally opposite. Okay? W what about somebody who's um, saved at, say, I don't know, six years old? They've not really done anything terrible. They've been raised in the church. They've been told about Jesus. And they come to the point in their life where they go, yeah, they're talking about me. I'm that sinner that needs to trust in Jesus. And they give their life to Jesus. Well, what's the difference? The difference is now that person's saved. And now Jesus will begin working in their life to transform them. But the people outside don't see a whole lot of difference. But God makes it. He changes them. And the word of the Lord will grow mightily. And here it says it grew mightily and it prevailed. And the strength, power, triumphing. And, and this is kind of kind of why we see what Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then when he went to the Corinthians, he said, guess what? I didn't come here to preach fancy words. I came here to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, I, I want to I go to another verse that I almost, almost forgot about it. Um, but, but you think about the word of the Lord being preached. First Timothy, no, Hebrews 4.12. I've even got it marked, and then I forgot about it. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God, the word of the Lord being preached. Does anybody know that one by, by heart? Many of you do, you just don't know where it is. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the heart, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Think about it. Think about what's going on in our world and even in our lives, you know. How do we, how do we answer the, 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 I mean, and this is what Paul preached, the word of the Lord. Why? Because it's powerful. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts. Man, it can tell your thoughts. And it can tell the intention, the intents or the purpose of your heart the things that you want and the things that you like and the things you want to do. It can reveal those to you. You don't believe me? Start reading it. And if you don't know where to start, I'll tell you where to start. Start in Proverbs. I'll tell you why. Because you can start in Proverbs and you can read one chapter a day every day of the, of the month and in a, on a 31-day month you can read that whole, whole book. So it's today is June 26. Turn to Proverbs 26. Read Proverbs 26. Tomorrow, Proverbs 27, then 28, 29, 30. And when there's a month with only 30 days, read 30 and 31 together, okay? Read two chapters, okay? 
you read the book of Proverbs, and it's going to point right to your heart. And you're going to go, wait a minute, is that him or is that me that you're talking about? Is that her or is that me that you're talking about? If you, if you, and, and you know what? There's a lot of other places you can start. You can start in Genesis. You can start in John. But if you start in the book of Proverbs, if there's no, if, you, all that's, if that's all you have time to do, start in the book of Proverbs. There are a lot of people that would benefit greatly from having the thoughts and intents of their hearts discerned and revealed for them, all of us actually, and one of the best ways to do that is to read the scripture. In fact, pretty much the only way to do that is to reveal the scripture. And look at this here. This is pretty interesting. Um, it's piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. You know what that word soul is? Suke. It's the word we get psyche from or psyche, psychologist. The Bible does better than any psychologist can do, okay? The Bible can tell you the problems in your life and how to solve them better than any psychologist can do and doesn't charge you a penny. Okay, and the other word is spirit, which is pneuma, uh, which is breath, gives us life. All right. And so it, it can tell you all about yourself. And so he was preaching all of these things and they were understanding that. Guess what? God would give them life through the word of God. And it was spreading mightily and strength and power prevailing and triumphing. And Jeremiah. Wherefore. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire. And his people would, and it shall devour them. Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? And I have been, I don't want this to sound, I've been exhorted and challenged and even encouraged and even thanked because somebody told me preach the word preach the word preach the word preach the word constantly preach the word preach the word and you know what that's my goal that is my goal to preach the word be ready in season and out of season any of you um, athletes in high school and college were any of you I wasn't I was the manager <laughs> of the basketball team. I got to wash the basketballs and the uniforms, okay, because I was too short and couldn't shoot a free throw. Um, and, uh, and yet I know there's a season. It's a basketball season, okay? And then there's the rest of the year, okay? And what do they do in season? They train. They practice. What do they do out of season? They just sit around and get fat. No, they shouldn't anyway. Right? They should be doing some training. Be ready in season and out of season. Right? Keep practicing. Don't let all of those gifts and those abilities go to waste. So preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. By the way, you know, for us, there is no off season. Okay? There is no out of season. What this is telling us is be ready. Um, <laughs> my brother used to say things to me like, when you least expect it. Expect it. And, 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 and that's the way we need to be ready with the word of God. When you least expect to need it, expect to need it. Be ready with it. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Um, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. You see, 
Word of God is living and active. The Word of God changes your life along with the Spirit of God. The Word of God is what the people of this world need to hear. They need to hear about His Son, Jesus Christ. And you know what? Sometimes we have these interesting little battles with people and we start to tell them something and we can't finish because we can't defend what we're saying. That's why we need to be in here all of the time. Why do you believe that? Oh, well, because uh, they told me in Sunday school. Why do you believe that? Well, let me take you to another passage and I'll show you why I believe that. So the better you know this, the better you can defend your faith, the better you can preach the word in season and out of season, convincing, rebuking, exhorting with all long suffering and teaching. You know, if the Christians are going to win um, the world for Jesus, this is where we need to start right here by reading and studying the word. And though I don't know where you are on Sunday mornings at 930, well, I know where most of you are, but I hope that you're in a Bible study class, that you're somewhere where you can get a little bit more of this, a little bit more in here and in here so you can tell people about Jesus. It might also be that, that you're here today and yet you don't know Jesus. You know, I look around and I see that probably most of you do. But it might be that well, you need to turn your life over to him. It might be that you have turned your life over him to him, but you've kind of taken a little bit of it back. It might be that you're not fully, completely trusting him in the way that you should live. And you need to go, okay, God, I've taken that one back. I need to give it back to you might be that, that it's just simply you need to begin to read the scripture a little bit more and pray the scripture about what God would have you to do. So we're going to have a hymn of decision. Just a couple verses. Time for us to reflect on what God wants us to do. And I'm going to be here at the front. And if you feel like God is leading you to come and, and say, Pastor, this is what God's leading me to do. I want you all to pray for me. I'll be here to receive you. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and for your forgiveness. God, I thank you for your word. Father, help us to, to live by your word, to trust you, to trust your word, to do the things that you call us to do, even when they're tough and difficult. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.